let's design cool pool floats for the discerning millennial based on fashion, art, architecture. This was at the rise of Instagram. So we really saw an opportunity to build a brand and gain awareness on Instagram. And when we came back, like brother and I quit our jobs and we, in essence, started Funboy. Hi, this is Shauna, the CEO and founder of Fuel Talent. One of the things I have loved most in my 25-year recruiting career has always been the stories that people tell. Stories of leadership, career choices, company ideas, and team building. My inspiration for starting the What Fuels You podcast came from being curious about people's lives and wanting to help share their stories. What path brought them to this place? What decisions did they make that led to failures and successes? Who influenced those decisions and what lessons were learned along the way? I hope you enjoy the What Fuels You podcast. Today's guest on the What Fuels You podcast is Raquel Barrett. Raquel is a dynamic entrepreneur and leader known for her expertise in e-commerce technology and operations. As one of the co-founders of Funboy, a leading leisure and lifestyle brand, Raquel has played a pivotal role in shaping the brand's success. Driven by an innate passion for problem solving and a keen understanding of consumer behavior, Raquel has always been at the forefront of adopting new technology and e-commerce strategies. Before co-founding Funboy, she served as the head of marketing for a Seattle-based consumer tech startup. Beyond her professional achievements, Raquel is a mom to two young boys, balancing the demands of entrepreneurship with the joys of raising a family with her husband and fellow co-founder. Welcome, Raquel. So good to see you. So great to see you as well. Thank you for having me, Shauna. So fun. Okay, I'm going to hit you with some rapid fire. I'm just curious, what's your favorite float? Like what's your, what's the one that are you attached to any one? Mm, such a good question. I think my favorite is the golf cart float, which comes in both the Barbie and a regular design because it's so different, comes with a shade with fringe that's removable and is a really iconic fun boy. And I think kind of speaks to the ethos of fun boy of just kind of taking something from everyday life and making it into a pool flow in a unique way and sitting back, relaxing and enjoying. I love it. I think I actually have a picture of me in that float, but in the lake, not in the pool. So good. I love all of them. So I was curious your favorite. And do you have a concert that you've attended that stands out to you as your favorite? Uh, we just went to Taylor Swift this summer and the energy and the command of the crowd, I was just in awe of her as a woman, as a performer. And it was such an experience. I wasn't even a huge Taylor Swift fan prior to attending, but after I am a Swifty through and through now, I was just so impressed. And it was so fun to see someone at the top of their game really inspire a huge, you know, 30,000 people. Are you ocean, pool, or lake? Great question. I am an ocean girl. I grew up in Southern California in a little beach town called Seal Beach. Did junior lifeguards growing up. So I am a beach girl through and through. Where in Southern California is it? Seal Beach is the northernmost beach of Orange County. So still in that area, but very laid back surfer kind of chill vibe, which is so yeah. fun. Do you know how to surf? I do know how to surf. 
I wouldn't say I'm good and would have to be on a long board, but I definitely can stand up. And now that I have a seven and four-year-old and my seven-year-old is really excited to learn. So it's been fun to be in the water with him. When must we're be not like in the Seattle. coolest mom. They must be like, I mean, of all the companies, there's so many different things you could do, but it seems really fun to have a company where your kids are like can recognize that their friends think what you do is cool. I love it. I never, thank you. I never really, I never really knew to what extent it resonated. And then my son just, he's in first grade now, but in kindergarten, he had a fifth grade buddy and he got to eat lunch with them. And I was sitting in the table and I heard him talk about fun boy. And I heard him say, my mom is the founder of fun boy. And I modeled for one of our um, photo shoots. And do you know, they're doing a collaboration with Drake. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I was kind of cringing for him because I was like, this is, this is not how you play it cool. But I also no, it is so cool. Kindergartner talking about Drake. He's very cool. (laughs) That he, uh, you know, kind of understood or to some extent what we do. Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. Um, Are there words, give me three, that your co-founders would use to describe you as a colleague, not as a sister, a wife, Mm. a sister-in-law? Gosh, blurred lines for sure there. It's so, you know, we all intermingle, but I think they would say that I'm a great problem solver, that I am very accountable and that I um, am a go-getter. I love it. I want to, I can't wait to get into the, the, these blurred lines and the lanes that you guys have chosen and how those have been determined. And if they're the same as when you started the business, I, I always love hearing these types of stories. Um, I'm curious, you seem like a very positive and upbeat person, but I'm curious if you've got pet peeves, what they would be. Hmm. That's a great question. I think my pet peeves are saying you're going to do something and not doing it. Yeah. Interesting. Cause I'm hearing it like as a mom, because <laughs> I'm, yeah, like, I'm like, <laughs> I said, clear your dish. I said, clear your dish. Like how many times do you have to say things as a mom and with your age kids, I'm sure it's like the seven-year-old um, that go on repeat, but yeah. Okay. Are you a night owl or an early bird? Oof, I'm an early bird. I was going to say, Lucky. I think you're an early bird. Cause you already did Pilates this morning. I know. Like to wake up early, get it in, and then kind of have some time for myself before shifting to mom hat, then shifting to work hat, and then yeah. coming back around again. What's the first thing that you do in the morning? Do you have like a ritual? I do have a ritual. I wake up, I do a little stretching, and I have a little hot water, bone broth, lemon water, something just to get moving. Yeah. So you're from the OC. Is that how I say it? And it's how you say it. What does that mean to you? Like when people say that, do you feel like you have to, that you're like proud or that you have to defend it in some way? Or like, does that resonate for you to be a, a beach town girl? You know, it's sort of cringeworthy in many ways. Growing up there, I had no, it wasn't really a thing then. And um, I think Seal Beach isn't really part of that perception. Yeah. I feel like the Real Housewives made it into like, in my mind, I, I picture like not, I, I picture like not what I think of when I think of you, like I think of kind of more fake tan, fake boobs, fake the whole thing. The whole thing and the show, the OC, but it was a great place to grow up. It was this little community. I feel like I had that quintessential high school experience with the football team. Um, 
I played volleyball. And so it was a really lovely place to grow up. And it's really fun. My parents are still down there to go and visit still. Yeah. And when you were little, is that what you thought you wanted to do? Like be a volleyball player or what, what did you envision when you were younger? When I was younger, my dad is or is a doctor. And so I sort of, that was my only model. And so I thought I would be a doctor. And then I sort of realized like, wait, that's going to be a lot of school. I are not going to make as much money. I was seeing other paths and be like, okay, maybe that's not the way I want to go. Yeah. And how would you describe like um, people around you that were influencing you? Was it your parents? Were there lots of family friends or relatives around? And what was your idea when you were younger of like, what mattered? Mm. My parents had a really eclectic group of friends. And so it was really fun from different places and different backgrounds. And so it was really fun to kind of see, I really realized from a younger age that there was a bigger world outside of this little beach town that I grew up. And I really wanted to be a part of it and explore and to make a difference and to put my mark on something. And so I think that was kind of where my early roots of entrepreneurship started and then also blossomed. And I think I really valued, you know, adventure and seeing what else was out there and really making a name and potentially impact for myself. Mm -hmm. I love that. And were you into school? Were you a good student? It was a good student, took school very seriously. Fortunately, it came easy to me. Um, You know, I really tried to get good grades and I really cared about that as well. Yeah. What was your favorite subject? I just remember I loved like English and writing and reading. I loved English too. I actually thought for a while when I realized I wasn't going to be a doctor, I majored in creative writing at USC. And I really thought that maybe I would be a writer, but I also then realized that path is really long and hard. And I don't know that I can fully just devote to that once I graduated. Was SC the right choice for you? I almost went there. I was like signed, sealed, and delivered, and at the last minute changed. But I I spent a lot of time there. My brother went there. It's great school. It was the right place for me. It's where I ultimately met my husband. Um, and I think just being, again, a part of that community and a community that really brought in my horizons again, it brought, there were so many different types of people that came to that school and learning from them. It, it was a It was a great place. And the football team, it was a really kind of, whole college experience Mm -hmm. yeah did you play volleyball there no I did not play volleyball yeah I'm like that would have changed that's like so intense like volleyball at SC it's crazy I know yeah and so were you working during when you were at school or what was your first job like when you think back we all had crazy jobs in like high school and college I was a my for I was a hostess in high school at a local sort of seafood restaurant and seeing the chaos and the people and the different personalities, it was really fun. And I kind of thrived and like, okay, you know, this is happening. How can we solve this? And this server is mad because, you know, you oversat them and this person. So it was fun to sort of see all the dynamics and kind of have to think quickly on your feet mm-hmm. and figure something out. So I think, you know, anything in the service industry is such great experience because- I'm a big fan. I'm always like, have you worked retail or restaurants? Like, right. if so, I want to go toward you because you've dealt with difficult people, difficult situations. You've had to think on your feet. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, and so did you, did you have a sense, um, 
when you were in school, so you were doing creative writing, what did you think you wanted to pursue? I was majoring in creative writing, minoring in business, had no idea. No one really, I think, you know, my dad is a doctor. It was a very straight path. This is what you do. You go to medical school. It was one step one, step two, step three. And I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I had no idea what was out there either. So I ended up um, after college getting a job in pharmaceutical sales because I was like, oh, great. You make money. You're not going into an office every day. It kind of had all the elements that I wanted. I also yeah. couldn't believe sort of like the freedom I was given and how I kind of got to run my own mini business. Yeah. Um, what but, were you selling? What what pharmaceutical? Oh gosh, what was I selling? I was selling some heart medication. It was it was also like I was like I have no business doing this. How am I doing? I'm talking to but other. But you're doctors. the exact person that does it, and you've been around doctors, and your dad's mm -hmm. a doctor, and you've been around you know doctors' offices. But I always feel bad for pharmaceutical salespeople. I have friends who have done it and just crush it. But when you see them walking into the doctor's office, I'm always like, that's exposed. Like you're like you could get completely rejected. It's definitely can be soul crushing, which is a great learning experience. And then, you know, you can be really successful and I was fortunate to be successful, but I think I quickly realized that maybe my values didn't align. I didn't want to stay there forever. I wanted something else, something bigger. So I decided when I was, again, pretty quickly, I was like, okay, what next? I decided to start studying for the GMATs, went back and got my, then applied to business school and was like, okay, let's, let's change this up. A great experience, but what can I do next? Yeah. And so where did you, you end up getting to UW? Is that how you ended up in Seattle? Yes. And coincidentally, so met my husband at USC. We dated a year after in LA when we were both living in LA. When I started my GMAT course, he was like, shoot, I can't let this woman I'm dating, like get her MBA. So he joined my GMAT course. And then as he, my husband's actually from Seattle. And so as we were applying to schools, again, we were like 24, 25, we didn't really talk about it, but I applied to university of Washington because he was from Seattle. And in the end, the only school we had both applied to was UW. And so we both ended up moving to Seattle and going to UW for business school, which well, you guys must, I mean, hilarious. you definitely know each other. Well, you spent all sorts of time together. We That's really unbelievable. Yeah. I know. It's well, and the fact that you both got in, it's really hard to get in. It was a great experience. Um, and glad we did it. And when I first moved to Seattle, I was like, what is this place? I had had no clothes for Seattle. I was like, <laughs> what, how are we going to do this? And now I, I really love Seattle. You do love it. You, well, you've been able to build a community and friends and the whole thing. Absolutely. So I saw that you worked at Gratify, which um, we did some work with Gratify. So it's so funny. I'm like, I wonder if we knew you then. Awesome. Um, that was, I mean, unless I'm getting it confused, Gratify is the company where you were like, send people stuff like, um, that's it like gift to gift them. Yep. Yeah. Via Facebook. And then integrating yeah. with the restaurant technology that was Gratify. And it was a yeah. really, I think I was the sixth employee there. Um, I was the VP of marketing. So really brought into kind of create and help develop that brand ultimately. Yeah. And how did you transition out of sales into marketing? I mean, I know that you went back and got your MBA, but did you specifically study marketing? Um, I did. I mean, of course I sort of focused on marketing while getting my MBA, but there wasn't necessarily an opportunity to specialize there. I think I just got in there. And when I was chatting with the two founders of Gratify, laid out a compelling way to 
kind of get in there and create a brand and they believed in me and my ability. And, you know, as you know, startups are so scrappy, you have to wear so many hats. And I think my sales experience as well really lended to how are we going to sell this to not only the end consumer, but also the restaurants and the employees of the restaurant who really had to be bought on if they were going to interact with this technology as well. Yeah. Why don't you, for our listeners, like give a one sentence of like what Gratify did and what you learned from that experience. Gratify was a social gifting technology that allowed you, if it was Shauna's birthday, I'm in Seattle, she's in LA, I could via Facebook and Gratify send her a drink that she could redeem at her local restaurant. So if I knew she was there, I could send it or she, I could send it and she could go kind of redeem it at some point as well. Um, What I learned, I think what I learned is I saw how hard it is to really make, create a brand and how much money it can kind of, how you really have to focus and how, you know, it costs a lot of money to acquire customers who create a brand name. And that's when I really realized, you know, this is, this is before really social, Facebook had been established, but Instagram had it. So how you really had to use the tools of social media to sort of create that brand awareness. And I also learned just how scrappy you have to be and also how hard it is and how there's also so many different people and that the company and the culture you create really, really matter as well. Yeah, definitely. So tell me at what stage um, of your life, like, okay, so you've got your husband, you both have your MBAs, he's doing what? He was at Microsoft. He's at Microsoft. Um, So very corporate. We... The inception of Funboy is that we were on a family vacation. So for everyone out there, we have Funboy is a family founded company. It's myself, my husband, my husband's, my husband's brother, Max, and his wife, Celeste, Max and Celeste run our LA office. So we were on a family vacation over New Year's, a sunny beachy location. And it was New Year's Day. We bought a cheap pool float to inflate and enjoy, and it instantly broke. And we always had had this name, Funboy, like incubating. And we had sort of incubated this brand in our mind. And we were all kind of at the place where we were all working really hard. And it didn't feel like we owned it. And we were like, why are we working this hard for someone else when we could be working this hard for ourselves? So that New Year's Day, we said, let's, we kind of came up with the idea to start a pool flow brand. It wasn't like, let's go do all this market research. Let's go, we like, we're like, let's design cool pool floats for the discerning millennial based on fashion, art, architecture. This was at the rise of Instagram. So we really saw an opportunity to build a brand and gain awareness on Instagram. And that's what we did. And when we came back, Max and I quit our jobs, Blake's brother and I quit our jobs and we, in essence, started Funboy. It's crazy. And so when you say you started Funboy with what money and where? So Funboy is completely bootstrapped. We've never taken any outside capital. We each couple put in $15,000 of savings. So we started the company with a total of $30,000. Max had a background in sourcing from his previous experience. So he really was in charge. He and Blake, even though um, Blake and Celeste didn't quit their job instantly, they were very, they were involved in the company. So we created these products. We designed the products. We found a factory to produce them. Meanwhile, I, you know, figured out the website. We created, you know, everything we needed to do. One of my favorite stories is we 
before it was Coachella. So Coachella is sort of what launched our brand initially. And we picked up Max from the airport. We had one sample of each SKU. We initially launched with five SKUs to our name. Previously, I had emailed all of these influencers. And at the time, again, 2015, it wasn't this sort of influencer ecosystem that it was now. And we emailed them with a meet the brand, a meet the uh, brand play date where you could meet the founders. We are going to bring products for you to create content with, and we are going to bring champagne. So I sent this email out to all the influencers that we loved and admired so nervous. We're like, oh my gosh, no one's going to respond. And everyone we emailed responded. So we showed up at their house during Coachella. Literally, we would blow up the pool float somewhere outside so we could walk in with it and they would take photos with it and we would interact with them. And what was so funny is because we only had that one sample at the end, we had to be like, so we're going to take this with us, but we will email you uh, your own Funboy product once we get our inventory. In. That's so funny. What were the five? Pro- what were the five different um, floats that you started with? We had three different swans, a white, gold, and black swan. And then we had a um, a pegasus and a rainbow as well. So those were our sort of launch. I love it. Yes. And, and what, at what stage did Taylor Swift post? Um, so I think Coachella is really where all of a sudden our brand and these products were out there. And Funboy really, I think the beauty of Funboy is that these products are products that people integrate into their best moments. And so this moment was Coachella, people hanging by the pool and all of a sudden via social media, we started to get a ton of attention. And uh, unbeknownst to us, so that was April, in that 4th of July, unbeknownst to us, Taylor Swift ordered 12 of our pool floats and she had them at her infamous 4th of July party. And we kind of, you know, that 4th of July, we were celebrating with our family and came in and checked our phones and everyone was like, are you seeing this? And Taylor, all her friends were on our pool floats at her 4th of July party. And we, you know, we sold out so quickly after that, which was so fun. And of course you did. we were off to the races. So how has the supply chain thing been and how was COVID, did, did COVID have a negative influence on that? Were you having trouble sourcing? Yeah. So fortunately we have great, um, we have great factory partners. I think COVID for every, like everyone was such a unique experience. I remember one day in March, you know, we had over a million dollars of POs canceled from third parties. So, you know, big retailers. So we saw these retailers all of a sudden freaking out. And so we immediately stopped all production. This is March, must have been March, 2020. And we were really sort of like, okay, how can we bolster, you know, how can we make it through this experience if our world's going to shut down? And then what we found is, you know, as we were all in our homes, let's call it June, everyone was in their homes with nothing to do, looking for things to do, trying to spend money on things. They couldn't spend money on restaurants. And all of a sudden, our sales and the demand for our products was really unprecedented and through the roof. And so, you know, it was really an interesting time to try to manage this, this COVID and this experience with all of a sudden seeing a huge increase of demand. And of course, freight costs were through the roof. And so it's yes. been a really interesting process of, you know, supply and demand. And hopefully that's a once in a lifetime event. But I think, you know, then came 2022, where we had so much inventory and yet the world opened up and people were spending their money on other things. And so kind of really learning and putting, I think the experience 
ultimately taught us how to put really strong sell-through metrics in place so we can really plan as much as possible for that demand and for that supply, you know, ensure our oh, supply chain 100%. is bolstered. Yes. And how many SKUs do you have now? Because I know that you've expanded. Um, I saw towels, I saw bathing suits, and you've got these incredible collaborations that I'm like, I need to know all those stories. Like, are they coming to you? Do you, are, is that your job as the kind of marketing person to do outreach? Like how, start with the SKUs. How many SKUs Yeah, do you so gosh, we probably have, you know, close to 7,500 SKUs. I don't know the count in full. Um, we originally launched with just pool floats. And then we we kind of asked ourselves, how can we, you know, decrease our seasonality. So then we launched a line of inflatable snow sleds that you can actually, you know, sled on the snow. So that was next. We also have towels. And then we most recently we've launched a line I'm really excited about, which is inflatable sleepover beds or air mattresses for kids. So taking the iconic fun boy shape and design, for example, we have a pink and blue convertible, a pink and blue castle, a speedboat, and making them air mattresses for kids. So they have a cozy, you know, blocked sleeping area. And it's been so fun to see the reception on that because it instantly so transforms any kid's sleepover. 100%. Um, and then we're coming out with a line, um, sneak peek for your listeners of LED Christmas decor, inflatable Christmas decor. So things you can use indoor, outdoor, in your pool. They come with a remote control. You can set the lighting. So those will be out in about two weeks. And we're really excited about that line as well. That is so cool. That's yeah. going to do great. It's really fun. They're very, they're very cool. So forthcoming. Um, and then in terms of collabs, you know, I think our best collab story is we literally slid into Angela Masoni's DMs and she responded. This was 2018 and we had a Masoni collab. And so, you know, we are, we are so much comes in, but so much goes out. So we are constantly looking for great partners. I think some of our best collaborations to date, you know, when we first launched, we collaborations have always to some extent been core of Funboy. When we first launched, we had artist collaboration. So we would collab with different artists, um, Donald Robertson, Alex Jonas, various people, and we would put their art Gray Malin on our pool floats. And so that was, it's sort of in our ethos to collab because it's such a fun and creative way to put something out in the world and on an inflatable that's unexpected and fun. Um, we've collabed with Aviator Nation and the most fun one that we just occurred, especially with the Barbie movie coming out is we have a longstanding relationship with Barbie. And so, especially with Barbie movie, that's been a really exciting collab. And Mattel, you know, Mattel actually approached us and we were like, is this right? And then we ultimately, ultimately ended up working with them. And it was really fun with the movie to create the floats in Barbie, you know, the ones that you see in the movie, we have that from Bumboy as well. It's, it's, it's such an incredible story. How did they contact you? You just get an email one day and who does it go to and what does it say? And what's your lens that you look through to make sure that it's um, ethical, sustainable, on brand, yeah. Um, yeah, we have, you know, we have various forms, which we get so many inbound requests and some usually it's through these forms. And so they go to all of us. Hopefully we're checking them. We, we usually are, but you know, with the, with so many emails. Um, and then I think every decision is really a collaboration of the four founders and sometimes the greater team of, is this on brand with Funboy? Is there excitement around 
you know, this brand in terms of like shapes, are we creating a new shape or are we applying a print? And like, can we do both brands lend themselves to something that is unique and exciting? Um, and that is in line for our core demographic. Um, I also think it's, you know, with all partnerships, it's what is, what are both parties going to put into and does that make it worthwhile? Or are we doing all the heavy lifting? It's, there's, there's so many factors. And I think every collaboration has sort of been different. And then what is the distribution in terms of channel distribution, et cetera. So there's so many factors that we really think through and yeah. we're still a really small team. And so bandwidth is always a huge consideration. Do we have the bandwidth to take this on given what we already have slated and scheduled? Yeah. That's a lot. And how did you come up with the name? Where's Fun Boy? Because you, you said you kind of like had the name, but so the four of you had been kind of over Thanksgiving dinners and stuff like, hey, at some point we should all work together. How do you even? It was never, we should all work together. It just sort of happened. Fun Boy had been this name that goes back to college and it's people would be like, oh, that Fun Boy had a good night. But what has been so fun about this name is that it means so many different things to different people. Like you can kind of make it fit as you see fit. So to some people, it's like having the best day. To other people, um, it might be, you know, doing something a little irreverent. So I feel like it has taken on so many um, different meanings depending on the customer. Like most of our customers, you know, 65% of our customers are women and yet they really gravitate towards this brand called Thumboy. Yeah. It's such a darling name. It really, um, it really sticks out like definitely. And so, um, when you came back, I'm like jumping all over the place. Sorry. That's like my, this is my personality, I guess. <laughs> when you came back and saw your phones had blown up after Taylor Swift posted, and then all of a sudden, you know, your website's like probably crashing with too many orders. It sounds like shark tank or something, you know, where people say, ah, like, <laughs> Um, what then, like, how do you know how many to produce and, and plan? Like you started saying that you're going to start to, you start to look at more metrics around sell through, but who's running all of that? I mean, we, we all are. And definitely in 2015, we were not as metric driven as we are now. So we, you know, we have, we basically in the very beginning, every dollar we made, we reinvested into more SKUs, more inventory. And I think at the beginning it was really like, okay, here's what we can afford to, you know, bring back. Here's the, here's what we can afford to produce and bring in. And how do we spread that across SKUs? And one piece to that is also core to fun boys. Every year we come out with a new collection, more like, you know, like a fashion company. And so it's, it's kind of considering all of those factors with what can we afford? How can we make the biggest splash? Um, that at the beginning was, was definitely how we were, sort of thinking about that next season. And again, that next season, we definitely didn't have enough inventory, but it's what we could do. So we kind of maybe grew slower because we were completely bootstrapped and that's that's where we could take it. Yeah. And so as far as the, you said 75 to hundred SKUs now, mm -hmm. um, how many different floats and then what other products you started to talk about the Christmas stuff? Um, what do you foresee for the business? Because it really like the, the word, the name fun boy can encompass all things fun and celebratory. I mean, it gets it's endless. It's so fun. And I think, you know, we're really continuing to be thoughtful about how we expand. As you mentioned, we did come out with a line of bathing suits and that just really didn't sell for us because, as well as we would have liked, because 
we are known for inflatables. And so one of our goals is to be the most influential inflatable brand. And so I think within that, that gives us lots of space within the inflatable sort of market and category to kind of think as to what does this look like to look at our customers? Where is there a need? How can we continue to sort of surprise and delight as we go along? Yeah, definitely. I'm thinking of like, um, I mean, all the things with little kids, like those floaties mm-hmm. that kids wear. Um, yeah, the little water wings. The little, like the little water wings, but also the little floaties that they just sit around in. And there's when they're first learning how to swim and they're splashing around. We I mean, did, yes, we have a line of fun baby floats. And so it was miniature where they can sit yeah. and splash around, which is so cute. So you can have that mommy and me moment and they're oh, very yeah. sweet. And how does, what's the um, best performing products that you're putting out? Always still the, the core business, the floats. So the floats, but the sleepover beds, I mean, they, this is a newer product category, but there's so much momentum and excitement around them. And I think what's most gratifying always is to see people are so creative. So to see how people integrate our, you know, whether it be pool floats, whether it be snow sleds or sleepover beds into these birthday, all their best moments, birthdays, you know, bachelorette parties, whatever it may be. And so we get so much inspiration and feedback from our customer base and like, oh, wow, like, let's do this. Let's do this. Just dependent upon how people are end up ultimately using our products. Yeah. And you're partnering with different artists. Are there people that you have in mind that you have your eye on or different brands that you're like, oh my gosh, if that happened, that would be like crazy. our wish list. You know, next year will be our 10th year anniversary. And so we haven't done an artist collab in a really long time. And that's something we really want to bring back because it, it's so fun and it's so fun to work with artists. Um, and in terms of brands, I, I don't know that we have anything kind of at the top of our list right now. We're sort of heads down, you know, really planning far ahead. So nothing, nothing to report right now. Yeah. And so you're selling it um, direct to consumer, but you're also, where else can people buy it? Yep. Uh, Funboy.com is still our biggest channel, but we also sell, I would say about 70% of our SKUs on Amazon as well. So, you know, when you need that last minute pool float, Amazon is there. Yeah. We then sell to a lot of the major wholesalers. So think, you know, Revolve, um, Frontgate, Dillard. So a lot of the major wholesalers, but we're really thoughtful about our footprint and which products are where. And then we also sell to brick and mortar boutiques. Um, and then lastly, we have a partnership category where we do partners with, you know, companies like BarkBox or whatever it may be. Yeah. Well, I did go online last night just to see like what um, I could find on Amazon. And then I was getting these like targeted ads from other companies. So tell me about your competition. Yeah. I mean, I think that in the water market, there there are a ton of competitors. I think where Funboy sits is that we are sort of the, as our goal is, sort of the most influential in terms of, you know, we really pride ourselves on content, on creating that scene, on making accessible luxury. And so I think that... Um, you know, there are a lot of different companies out there that a lot of them are more either niche in their product set, but we really kind of make a splash in terms of our brand. And that's sort of what we're known for. Someone once said, if you show up to a party without a fun boy, um, what are you doing? And I, and I was like, oh, that's, I mean, clearly as the brand owner, that's so fun to hear, but I think we've really sort of established fun boy 
in that sort of it's higher the, yeah, end it's the area. It company for sure. Definitely. So you've, you've spoken, um, and I, in my research, I know that you've talked about um, it being a flexible and supportive working environment. Um, how do you support your family members who are co-founders with you? And, you know, especially when it's like, Hey, I want to go on vacation, but like the co-founders are together going on vacation, do you <laughs> and your in-laws kind of say, Hey, we're taking this break and you guys can have the next one. How do you support one another like that? Well, one, we often vacation together, which is hilarious, which means that every vacation is a working vacation. Um, and oftentimes, especially if we're going somewhere sunny, we're, we're doing a photo shoot. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think as an entrepreneur, you're never really off the clock, but Blake and I did celebrate our 10 year wedding anniversary last year. And so, you know, we took a whole week off and that was sort of understood. I don't think we have any explicit policies. Of, I think we all, you know, in our brand ethos is this work-life balance play. Play is such a fundamental part of re-energizing ourselves. And so I think that's sort of built in. And I think we all under, we all know how hard we work. So if someone feels like they need a vacation or they want to do something, then that is absolutely supported and applauded because I think you get you you get the best output after and the ideas after you've had a little rejuvenation. Yeah, definitely. And what about separating business and pleasure? like we're traveling together, we're we're entrepreneurs and there is no real off button. Do you find that like, cause for me, I've had people be like, why are you always working? And I'm like, for me, that's how I, I mean, maybe it's not true, but I've convinced myself that like, it's kind of how I relax is to just like check on the business and then go relax and then check again versus the kind of people who are like, I'm just going to do a digital detox for like, you know, just completely check out. Um, but I also don't work with my family where then we're sitting down for dinner or we're changing the kids into their school clothes, out of their soccer clothes. And so, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's kind of everywhere. Do you find it's that you everywhere. need separation or are you fine with it kind of all integrated? You know, I wish we could say we were better at work life boundaries, but we aren't. It's everywhere. It's kind of just what is. We fun boy is sort of our first baby. We had all of us had fun boy before any of us had kids. And so it was almost like integrating our kids in versus integrating fun boy in. Yeah. And I think, sense. you know, the pendulum's always swinging. Sometimes your kids need attention. Often the company needs more attention. 100%. Um, you know, so it's just sort of being flexible and letting go that perfect idea of what things should look like because they they never are. They never they look never, like that. We've yeah. been on so many family trips with a nice dinner and something happens and like Bax and Blake are working on their computer. It, it just, it just is what happens. Just how it is. Yeah. And what are your current challenges or things that you're trying to overcome with, you know, the challenges of being an entrepreneur? Yeah, great question. I think our current challenges are we want to continue to um, decrease seasonality. So find products so we can sort of streamline our revenue through the 12 months of the year. And then I think it's always balancing that with cash flow. How do we have enough cash and inventory to continue to support our revenue, our growth and scaling? So mm -hmm. I think those are always sort of like the high level challenges we face. And then ultimately, you know, hiring good people to support and be part of what you're doing. And what makes you most proud when you think about, you know, obviously your kids and your marriage and you're kind of doing it all right. But like, what do you feel most proud of when you think of Fun Boy? I think what makes me feel most 
proud. I was recently reflecting upon this is, you know, when we first launched Funboy, we had a container back up to a storage unit in Seattle that we had to find a motley crew of people to help us unload. And then every day I would drive our car to the storage unit get items, and then we would pack and ship from our house. And so to go from that to now flash forward almost nine years later, we have three fulfillment centers. Um, we've integrated NetSuite. We've done really big things. It makes me most proud to um, kind of see the growth and see that what we can do. I never would have thought I would have had would have expertise in freight, IP, um, logistics, technology. And I think what ultimately makes me the most proud is that my kids see how hard we work and how sort of creative we have to be to problem solve and to continue to make this work. And I love that, that those are hopefully the lessons of resilience and hard work that they are taking away. Oh, for sure. hundred percent. And how do you unwind if you do it all? I know that you're working out, but are you, and you talked about your bone broth, but do you have a ritual of like, <laughs> um, you know, tuning out and going on a walk or oh. doing some yoga or like, how do you, or whatever, maybe it's taking a hot tub with a glass of wine. Like everyone has their different thing. I am a huge walker. I love to walk. I schedule walks for the middle of my day. I listen to podcasts. I talk to my friends and it just is a way. I think there's nothing better than sort of metabolizing the day through a walk. So that yeah. is a hundred percent how I wind down center ground and then get ready to start again. That's awesome. And so you, you said the three words that your co-founders would use to describe you. What three words would your kids use to describe you? I actually asked them because I did a little podcast prep and the words they said were fun boy, mommy, <laughs> and silly. And so I think it's fun that I get to, you know, I don't really get to be silly at work. Sometimes I guess I am, but I try to interject fun, but that, you know, my kids really also get to see me in this other light, which is, you know, just being goofy and silly and stupid at home with I the kids that. and just kind of, I think, unwinding and getting re-energized from them too. It's so fun to see how, I mean, kids are such a mirror to see how their brains work and to see who you are through and what you're experiencing through their kind of more oh, yeah. innocent and pure eyes, right? Oh yeah. I want to see pictures of them. Now I'm like so curious. I bet you they're so cute. Because when I was prepping, I was like, okay, you guys are like four beautiful humans inside and out. I just loved everything that I read and um, I'm cheering you on so loudly. Oh, and I'm you. so proud of everything that you guys are doing. Um, my my final question for you is what fuels you? Mm, such a good question. I have such an innate desire. I think, you know, success is one thing, but I have... We've been doing Fun Boy for so long, for nine years, and I have such a desire to continue to create and impact people's lives and to bring something into the world that's just really fun and playful. The world feels so dark and heavy. And the second you turn on the news or you end up in some social media hole, you're like, oh my goodness. And so I think what drives me is bringing in that fun through our products and through our brand and hopefully interjecting helping people interject that little space where they can take that deep breath let their hair down and 
kind of just get back to the basics and feel like they're a kid again. Thank you for listening to the What Fuels You podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and follow us on social media to keep up with the latest news and episodes. You can also contact us at podcast at fueltalent.com to provide feedback, ask questions, and share topics or guests you would like us to cover in the future. We hope you feel inspired by our guests and that we have helped fuel your day. Join us next time for another episode of What Fuels You.